Hi, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to a special announcement from us here at Opera After Dark. We're debating on whether to call this a mini episode, but I don't know. It's really not, right? <laughs> <laughs> An extra. Yeah, mini episode is fine. Yeah. But when you say announcement, it sounds like something like, like, from like a, a weather alert, storm warning. Well, this oh, no. is serious. This is an announcement this is from <laughs> Opera After Dark. Serious business, Stop what folks. you're doing. If you live serious. in the tri-state area, and by tri-state area, <laughs> I mean New York, New Jersey, Connecticut. Yeah, those <laughs> are the three. Those are the three. You can come and meet us live, hang out with us, have a drink, and then come with us as we go see the New York City Opera Renaissance's performance. <laughs> of As One by Laura Kaminsky. Um, it'll be super fun. We've got the announcement up on our Facebook page. We're going to be at one of our favorite wine bars in New York, Vanguard on Amsterdam Avenue. We'll be there starting at... 6.30. 6.30. And then we'll head over to the opera, which starts at... 8. 8. And Kyle's you, got all the details. He's got all the details. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Yeah, the, the opera starts at 8, and that's at the Kaufman Music Center, which is like around the corner from Vanguard. Right, it's Merkin Concert Hall. Exactly. Yep. So and that starts at 8. We'll probably head from the wine bar to the hall at like 7.30, so definitely catch us before then. Right. But yeah. Absolutely. And it'll be... Um, a lot of fun if you visit our facebook page we have a discount code for you to go and buy tickets if you so desire mm -hmm. i believe it's as 120 like the words as one and the number 20 all lowercase i do it uppercase all uppercase i think that's do what it. i did yeah all a-s-o-n-e two zero two zero yeah that's it there you go and we'll go check out this opera naomi you want to tell us a little bit about it sure so this opera, as we said, as one with music composed by Laura Kaminsky and a libretto by Mark Campbell and Kimberly Reed. And this is a pretty special opera because it cracked a few statistics. Mm -hmm. um, so in 2016-17, this opera was the uh, 14th most produced opera in the U.S. and Canada. Mm -hmm. And that actually ranked higher than some opera classics like The Barber of Seville and Turandot. So it's pretty impressive and exciting to see a new opera rise to such a high ranking in number of productions. Mm -hmm. um, so, so quickly and kind of competing against these war horses. So that's one statistic. And also it's just generally the most performed opera that's been composed in like the last decade. Yeah, most performed contemporary opera in the United States. Mm -hmm. And and Canada. Yeah. Probably. <laughs> and but yeah. And there's I mean there's reasons why probably. Yes. I mean it on its own is a great work. Mhm. Mm but it's also very easy to produce. Yes, it is a chamber opera, so it's mm -hmm. scored for a string quartet and two singers, the baritone and a mezzo soprano who are playing different iterations of the same character at different points in their life. Yes. Right. So the story behind the opera, the main character, her name is Hannah, and the baritone and the mezzo-soprano basically play Hannah before and Hannah after. And mm -hmm. the whole opera is the story of one person's journey mm -hmm. um, as a transgender woman. And so mm -hmm. a lot of the opera is focused on expressing and, and telling that experience from this one character's point of view mm -hmm. and so it's really amazing because 
I've seen little, I haven't seen it live, but I've seen video clips of it. And to have two singers playing the same character Mm -hmm. is quite an artistic kind of puzzle that you have to put together. And so their vocal lines interact with each other and they physically interact with each other and in order to express one character's point of view. And so Um. it's definitely a team collaborative opera from Mm -hmm. all angles from many perspectives yeah i love this as a storytelling mechanism Mm -hmm. with uh, something that is an extremely relevant theme and idea and then using the these different voice types and you know the action on stage to express this this whole transition i think Mm -hmm. as an audience member and just like a member of society it's really interesting to see this story being told Mm -hmm. in this way Absolutely. It's a really beautiful work. It's super accessible. We highly recommend you go see it. And now you have this discount code, so why wouldn't you? (laughs) Right. I I would also mention that it's one that if if you're somebody that thinks, you know, I really like the opera classics, but I just can't get into new opera music. It just mm -hmm. doesn't hit home. This is a good one to, to still try and kind of work your way into some new repertoire because it's still melodic Mm -hmm. and... Um, the harmonies are pretty tangible to your average person. Mm-hmm. So it's not something that is just like way off the deep end as far as new. Right. Avant-garde. And it's not like surrealist. It's not experimental. It really does come across as like a storytelling narrative opera. And so you don't need to kind of suspend your. I guess, disbelief or things like that too much in order to enjoy the experience. You can really go into it like expecting to be taken on a journey with a narrative story of some kind that is set to music. And so Mm -hmm. it's a little more accessible that way. Yeah. And the creators of the piece are also pretty compelling. People that are doing a lot in the opera world Mm -hmm. right now and really quite well established that a couple of which we've interacted with in some fun ways yes elspeth and i had the absolute joy of interviewing laura kaminsky at another event that Mm -hmm. we were involved in Mm -hmm. and she is such a wonderful like open and warm-hearted person to begin with and when we were asking her questions about the kind of creative development of this work it was really interesting because she described it as, for her, she just had this idea of a story that she felt compelled to write as an opera. She didn't get a commission of somebody asking her to write it. It wasn't something that an external source approached her and then kind of gave her the idea. It was something that came to her that she just felt was some uh, something she had to write and had to be told. And so it really came out of like an artistic impulse in order to tell the story in this particular way and then she went out and searched for collaborators that believed in that same vision that she had in order to bring it to life and that's how she got connected with Kimberly Reed and with Mark Campbell and so and I think that's a really amazing kind of trajectory for a work because it really does show you the power of music and art to inspire people to create things and to tell stories in different ways and so she was really amazing to interview um, and to talk to about the creative process uh, musically and kind of how it came about and I believe she also wrote the 
mezzo-soprano part, she knew who the singers would be as she was composing the work. Mm -hmm. And the original singers, the mezzo and baritone, that played Hannah before and Hannah after, or sang Hannah before and Hannah after, they uh, are singers that Kaminsky had either worked with or was familiar with before and I believe they are also a married couple in real life they are yes and so (laughs) there's a kind of level of comfort and intimacy that they would have in order to bring these characters to life for the first time or this character to life for the first time and so I think that that's also a little special aspect about the early creative process of the work yeah do you know off the top of your head do you know the names of Sasha Cook and I don't remember her husband's name, Kelly something. Kelly Mark Graff. Yep. Very nice. And mm-hmm. I believe a recording is going to be released soon Ooh, of wonderful. that performance. Oh, that's exciting. Mm-hmm. So take a look on Spotify. I don't know when it's going to come out. But yeah. I realize no one told you when we're doing this. Um, it is Tuesday, June 4th. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully somebody stuck around and wasn't just like, damn it. Exactly. Not- exactly. Tell us when it is. <laughs> Yeah, Tuesday, June 4th, very soon after, yeah, hopefully you're hearing this very soon after it released. Yeah, uh, so come hang out with us. We're nice-ish mm-hmm. yeah. people. Um, Kyle, you've talked with Mark Campbell before yeah. for different projects. Yeah, I had the pleasure of speaking with Mark and, and working with him a little bit in regards to the opera Silent Night. Yeah. Uh, Mark actually has, his output as a librettist is pretty tremendous. He's done well over 20 libretti and um, some pretty big titles so silent night is also making the rounds that's a Mm -hmm. pulitzer prize winning uh opera didn't Uh, he win a big award for one of his most recent libretti yes he did so he wrote the libretto for the revolution of steve jobs which is an opera by mason bates yep Mm -hmm. exactly that's the other incredible thing is he's had a lot of success with multiple different composers Mm. i feel like throughout opera history we see a lot of you know librettists and composers working really well in pairs and then they do a lot together right like many operas together exactly but then not you don't necessarily always hear about the librettists working with another composer i mean mm-hmm. in some cases but yes yeah, so having this success with mason bates they they just won a grammy nice. uh, for their work on the revolution of steve jobs which premiered at santa fe it's now been performed in seattle i think it's going to san francisco next and surely with a topic like that that opera mm-hmm. will continue to mm-hmm. to move on uh, as i said silent night now uh has has been performed in, in several different places and also as one he has several other works uh with kevin puts who's the composer for silent night and so um some really interesting things that are coming out of it but oh please go ahead I was going to say that the the third person in this collaborative team, none of us have had the pleasure of interviewing her, meeting her, but Kimberly Reed is an American film director. She's a producer. And if you are familiar with the documentary Prodigal Sons and Dark Money, uh, you might be familiar with her work. Oh, I didn't know she did Dark Money. Yeah. And um, she's very well respected in the kind of indie film industry. And so... And I think that I could be wrong, so don't quote me on this, but I seem to recall Laura saying that when she approached Kimberly Reed, Kimberly had never worked on an opera before. Mm-hmm. So as one was kind of her first foray into the operatic art form as a collaborator, which sure. is kind of awesome. Yeah. It, it's funny how 
it seems like in now at least two scenarios, Mark Campbell has been kind of an anchor for people mm. that are diving into opera for the first time mm-hmm. because he's done so much work. It was similar uh, in when he was working on Silent Night. It, that was Kevin Putz first opera that's right I and forgot so about that. i think part of the reason that mark was brought into that project was as somebody who has a lot of experience in opera so you can balance that out when you have people that are new mm-hmm. to the art form but also wonderful that there it seems like these three have worked incredibly well together to produce an extremely viable work of art mm-hmm. definitely yeah, so lots to look forward to. Yeah. If you can't join us, either you're busy or you're not here near New York City, keep an eye out for this opera because it really is getting performances all over the place. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was just done in Oregon, I think. Okay. Um, and because of the nature of it as a chamber opera, it's picking up performances in some smaller places. You don't. Mm-hmm. You actually likely won't see it at one of the major opera houses, but what's better for some people is that you get to see it at some smaller houses yeah you don't need a huge budget like you don't need a budget the size of like a french grand opera in order Mm -hmm. to mount a production of this um and i think the other neat thing especially if you're bringing people to opera for the first time is that because it's performed in smaller spaces you're probably going to get like an intimate experience just physically being closer to the orchestra to the stage Mm -hmm. and so you can kind of be a little bit um, just the physical distance between you and the performers, I think, is smaller, which I think can help get new people drawn into the experience. Because sometimes grand opera, of course, has its own appeal. But if you're up in the top balcony and you're kind of looking down a, a, with a bird's eye view, you don't get the same kind of close experience as if you're in like the third or fourth row. Oh, and definitely. so that's kind of the beauty of a chamber opera is you get a bit more of an intimate experience. Yeah. So please feel free to check it out. Please feel free to come by and say hi to us. Yeah, June 4th. June 4th, Tuesday, June 4th. Merkin Concert Hall at the Kaufman Music Center. Yes. And we'll be at we'll be at the Vanguard Wine Bar at 6:30 on Amsterdam Avenue. On Amsterdam Avenue around the corner from the Kaufman Center. Yeah. Come say hi. We look forward to seeing you. Uh, if you can't meet up with us, but you have strong thoughts about this opera or anything else that we discuss on the podcast, or maybe that you would like for us to discuss on the podcast, you can always reach out to us at operaafterdark.com, as well as Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Yeah, and if you want to come and meet us for real, you can bring us to wherever you are. We're very open to travel. Yeah, that's right. That's true. <laughs> yes. a lot of it this summer. Yep. Well, thank you so much for listening. I'm Kyle. I'm Naomi. And I'm Elspeth. Bye. Bye.